this is the education show unlocking opportunities in teaching and learning through collaboration proudly brought to you by zabuza.net once more it is the education show it's so good to have you along with us special guest today i've been looking forward to chatting to her for a while because Man, have I got some questions. Uh, and who am I talking about? I am talking about Libby Edmonds um, from Equilibrium. So, uh, yeah, we're going to find out what Libby does and who Libby is. So, first and foremost, let's start off by saying, hello, Libby. Welcome to the show. Good to have you with us. Hi, David. It's wonderful to be here. And I'm excited to be sharing my absolute passion with you and the education show and i'm hoping they're going to be some aha moments and lots of takeaways for the amazing teachers out there fantastic stuff so we're going to get into a little bit about who libby is and everything but we're talking let's start off the whole premise of our discussion today is we're talking about something called eq so give me a quick sort of just a quick quick rundown what is eq i mean we all know what iq is that's the thing that they used to measure us on but now eq seems to be fairly new what is eq david interesting that you say that it's fairly new because it's actually been around since the beginning of time so all the great leaders socrates and plato and i think if you read any of the good books EQ will come up there because EQ is really about self-awareness and it's about blending our IQ, which we all know is our emotional quotient, with our EQ so that we can make optimal decisions. For many, many years, we've only focused on the IQ. So you were in the top maths class or like me, you were in the D maths class and you were stuck in that box and that supposedly determined your success. Well, fortunately, there has been an explosion of research in the last 25 years as to what makes us successful. And the research being done by the famous Daniel Goldman on IQ versus EQ and why EQ might be more important in your life than IQ. So EQ basically is being simply put is learning to be smart with your feelings so that you can make the right decisions because our brains are rational and they are emotional. So I'll go into a lot more detail. Fantastic. Yeah, it's interesting. It absolutely fascinates me because when I was was forced to go through all of these tests when I was at school, I allegedly had big numbers in my my IQ. (coughs) Oh, excuse me, but I didn't like school. Didn't like school, didn't like learning, didn't like how they were teaching me. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to have a chat about this. So, tell me a little bit about Libby, though. Where, where, where do you sort of hail from and how did you get into this, this field of EQ? So, David, I, I think I, uh, I learned by experience, as most of us do, the hard lessons in life. I went to boarding school when I was six and I was put into an institution that many people can probably relate to where you literally are told to leave your emotions at the door. Big girls don't cry. You're very lucky to be here. This is a lovely place. And you walk down those corridors and you don't feel any of those emotions at all. You feel vulnerable. You feel isolated. You feel disconnected. And so I cried myself to sleep every night, sucked my thumb and wet my bed and felt very, very alone. And everybody needs a hero 
And there was an amazing young nun that came to the convent, Sister Anne. And she was the only person that made me feel like I was seen, that I was important, and that I was valued. I trusted her. And she was the one person that noticed that for six months I'd been forced to write with my right hand when I was actually left-handed. And she saw me hit a tennis ball and she announced to the teacher that, you know what, Elizabeth Libby is actually left-handed. And at that moment, I decided I was going to be a teacher. I was going to be a teacher where everybody felt connected and cared for and loved and trusted. Fast forward many, many years, 30 years of teaching, I taught an EQ program and was very, very loved it. But I realized that just teaching it to one class, I needed it to teach the parents and I needed to teach it to the other teachers because when those little people left me, I didn't feel that the teachers that they were going to had the same skills to carry on the EQ program, the social emotional learning program that I was doing. And so then I studied through Six Seconds, which is the largest EQ nonprofit in the world. And I've now been working in this field since 2015, 2016. And I'm passionate about it. EQ is for everybody, from the preschooler to to the boardroom, the chairman in the boardroom. And if anything is put it on the platform, it is COVID. Everything that you see now is all about optimism and resilience and grit and empathy and collaboration. Even the advertisers have changed the words that they've used. EQ has come to the fore. And the World Economic Forum rates it as one of the top skills needed. This was before COVID, going into the 21st century. Um, kids need to be able to connect and to collaborate and have empathy. And where are we learning these skills? You know what? It's, it's wonderful. And I'm so glad, as I said, that, we, that we're talking to you. One of the things that I noticed, because um, I, live, I live in the radio world, I do other podcasts for other people, I do a business show. And before we went into COVID, I noticed there was this trend starting where people seem to be becoming, and it sounds weird, but becoming more human. And then, as you rightly say, COVID hit and suddenly all of this stuff came to the fore. And it is, people have become more empathetic, more understanding, more mature, I think, in a, in a lot of ways. So tell me, where does Equilibrium fit in? Is that, is, are you the founder and owner of the business Equilibrium? Uh, yes, I am. Equilibrium, so played, how do you pronounce I it? Played, <laughs> I played on the Libby and the EQ. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I changed the spelling. Yeah. So my business is called Equilibrium and I work with individuals and organizations and really just helping people unlock their emotional intelligence because we all have it within us, but we don't necessarily have the tools and the skills as to how to use our areas of strength and how to improve our areas of vulnerability. So emotional intelligence, unlike IQ, which is fixed, is learnable and measurable. And six seconds is it's based on, on science and all the data is there to show the importance of this. Daniel Goldman was one of the, I mentioned him, he's now considered the, the forefather, as it were, of, of um, EQ. And what he did is he looked at thousands and thousands of successful people, whether it was um, 
somebody working in a retail store, what made them a good worker, sportsmen, musicians, teachers, CEOs, what skills did they have that set them apart from other people? And after these thousands and thousands of studies, they boiled it down to that these people were had high EQ competencies. They were high in optimism. They were high in motivation. They were high in navigating their own emotions. They were goal setters. They had empathy. And when you work with these competencies, you have more success in your effectiveness and your relationships and your quality of life and your well-being. And equilibrium started because when I started practicing these skills myself, I started to EQ as an inside job. As you've just said, David, people are becoming more human. It's like the world, I read somebody said, COVID sent us to our rooms and made us think about who we are and what we are doing. And EQ is that. It's about developing your self-awareness, developing your self-management and your self-direction. And we have a wonderful tool that we use called the know, choose, give. You have to know yourself. What is really going on? And then you have to develop that self-management so that you can have some self-direction. So you'll have to stop me because once I get going, I, I don't, <laughs> don't stop. <laughs> on the EQ train, there's just so much information that I want to share with you. But that's wonderful, and that's, that's the kind of thing we love. And, and we really do appreciate that you have taken the time out to share some of this knowledge with us uh, on the education show. Now, we're going to move on to, to why educators are, are, are so important. But one of the things we're also going to be discussing is something called SEL. Now, I've chatted on the show to uh, teachers and professors in the States, and they were, were sort of throwing out this SEL sort of concept a lot and I had no idea what they were on about. So today I want to find out more about SEL. But before we get on to that, talk to me about educators. Why is it so important that we help them to unlock their EQ? David, um thank you for this question. And I just um <laughs> I just wish that it was put in big bold letters everywhere and every social platform, every education platform. What can we do to help our educators? They, in my opinion, are the unsung heroes of the world. And the job that is that is it they have to do is an unenviable task in terms of supporting children emotionally, socially, physically, and cognitively because that's what we want our children to have is a balanced education. And I think all educators start out wanting to develop the whole child. But the way that education has gone in the last couple of years, I don't know if you will agree with this, and it's maybe it's not for every single school, um, but it's so skills-based. And it's all about that report card. Um, and that teachers who even wanting to implement the um, systems where they are developing the whole child are often stopped. Oh, we don't have time for this. And um, those soft skills, um, that's, that's a nice to have. Um, but we know in our, in our hearts, that's a need to have all these things that we've, we've I've mentioned to you already. And teachers themselves are overwhelmed. 
they are exhausted. The, the research will show worldwide that 50% of teachers leave teaching within the first five years. And I have numerous clients that are in that position, some that have actually dropped out and some that are just on the verge of, of absolute burnout. And I think our, our, um, if you look at the statistics in South Africa, how many support teachers are in our schools right now because the qualified teachers are, are ill. So we really need to support our teachers and give them opportunities where they can develop their um, emotional intelligence competencies so they can cope. You might be an expert biology teacher, an expert math teacher, but if things at home are not good, you are going to carry that into the classroom. Um, emotions drive people and people drive performance. So the emotional well-being of our teachers is absolutely paramount to the type of education that our children are getting. Same for the children. The emotions driving our children and how can they perform if they are not balanced. So teachers need to be given an opportunity, whether it's short courses or webinars. My goal is that all our South African schools will have the SEL programs as an integral part of the school curriculum, not just an add-on. Many schools have a week where they will be talking about optimism or resilience or kindness week. Those are wonderful. But one-offs one don't work. Social-emotional learning is an integral part where all the role players, the teachers, the parents, and the children have to buy into into the SEL program. And basically SEL, social emotional learning, is EQ for kids. So, so ah. all the things that we talk about in EQ for adults, at six seconds we have a, we have a, we have a SEL program. And um, there are many SEL schools all over the world. Um, six seconds has, its, has many SEL pro, uh, schools called, called the Synapse School. And you might have spoken to people that were involved involved with um, CASEL's uh, collaboration of academics and social-emotional learning in the East, in Dubai, in Australia. There are fully-fledged SEL schools. So it's a little bit like when South Africa started adopting, some of the schools started adopting the Cambridge system. And people were, you know, why do we need this? And obviously, those schools justified why they felt they needed a, a new curriculum. SEL is similar, but it's a, it's a harder thing to implement because you can't just go and buy a maths book. An SEL book, you, you can do a course, but it's all about the, the teachers experiencing it for themselves first. Yeah. As I said earlier, it's an inside job. I get that. And you know what, I'm sort of, when it comes to education and it comes to the education system, uh, I, I'm quite happy to be labeled as somewhat of a radical there because I agree with you 100%. And I've never met a teacher who went out and started teaching and going, well, I just want to go there and do what I'm told to do all day, every day. And, you know, hopefully the kids will pass. They all want to go out and, and change the world. And, and teachers are so undervalued. And just the fact that we're talking about this, I think is is absolutely brilliant because, 
you know, we, we as, as parents, we often take it for granted. No, no, send our kids away for eight hours a day. Let, it, let them become somebody else's problem. Um, and then we've got these, these poor teachers that, uh, you know, oftentimes they, they, they sort of labor under this impression that teaching is such an easy job. You know, you get to, get to school at seven in the morning, by two, three o'clock you're done, and you get three or four holidays a year. How wonderful is that? People don't understand the amount of stress and the pressure that our teachers are under. So, Libby, would you say that, that social emotional learning, because I'm thinking back now to my school days, and if I had some of that, I think, you know, my life would have been a lot less of a struggle to get to where I am today. Um, because a lot of the things that you talk about is stuff that I eventually had to learn for myself. Uh, it was never, ever shown to me. Is it a missing piece? Is it what we've been missing? Because I know people are talking about the need for change in our education system, but nothing seems to be happening and it doesn't happen fast. Uh, absolutely, David. You hit the nail on the head. And I mentioned that um, SEL has to be an integral part of the, of the school. And when I go and do um, a workshop at a school and the teachers are super excited and I walk into the auditorium and the principal introduces me and then walks off the stage and out the door, I know it's not going to work. Because in that, unless that teacher, unless that principal buys into the concept of social emotional learning, it's going to make it that much harder for his teachers or her teachers. So often after a talk I will, I, or a workshop, I will get teachers that will, will sign up. Some, some even become one-on-one -on -one coaching, uh, uh, coach them, and they are implementing change, which is wonderful. But you know with any organization – if the CEO is expecting people in his operation to do something, but he's not doing it himself, we have to lead by example. And so when the, the education departments bring in change, uh, it, just, it just works so much better if there's buy-in from, from everybody. But again, I go back to, I will have the comment, this is wonderful, we love it but we can't implement it now uh, for this and this and this reason. We can't wait. You know, this is a life skill. This is not a soft skill. This is an essential skill. This is why the World Economic Forum and the business out there is looking at education and saying, guys, this is your job. This is your job to be preparing these children for a future that is uncertain with skills of resilience and um, empathy and optimism and motivation. They need to develop those skills. You can't just get to 18 and suddenly have those skills. Emotions are contagious. So what we are picking up in our schools is what, and our homes is what we carry into our adult years. So just for a moment, I want to just do a little, a little thing with you, David, if you can be my, my guinea pig. Fantastic. <laughs> you you, you're talking about your, your school, and, and you and I obviously had, had, had very, very similar school experiences in terms of not enjoying school at all. I'd like you just to close your eyes and think about a teacher that had a very positive impression, left a positive mark on you. Okay, got it. And I'd like you to maybe just throw out some words about what that teacher did and how that teacher made you feel. Wow. 
Okay. Well, being being a sort of storyteller like I am, the best thing that I can do is is tell you the story. She was my English teacher in uh, standard nine and matric because in my day we still had standards, and she was the most amazing, kind, gentle, firm, loving person you could ever meet, and inspiring. And she was the one teacher that I felt got me. And I loved English. In fact, it was the subject I did the best at, uh, purely because she was that involved and she was that committed to the process. And she had an incredible sense of humor. She used to say to me, if I don't sit still and behave myself, she was going to nail my one foot to the floor. And if I insisted on running around in circles, she'd nail the other foot to the floor. Now, coming from any other teacher, I would have taken that as confrontational and I would have had a problem with it. Not with her, because I knew what she was saying and how she was saying it. And I still talk about her to this day. Unfortunately, she passed away, but definitely the teacher that had the biggest impact on my life. That is wonderful. And thank you for sharing that. And while you were talking, I was just writing down the words, kind, gentle, firm, inspiring, involved, sense of humor. You used the word, she got me. Yes. Now that summarizes up a teacher that, that all teachers aspire to be, to be able to get every child in your class, even if we're human and there are going to be children that rub us up the wrong way. But it's our responsibility to manage our emotions as teachers so that even if that little blighter is, is annoying you, you get him and you look underneath the behavior, which clearly this, this teacher did, because I can just by looking at your picture, I can imagine a little <laughs> David Watts and a teenage David Watts was challenging. I was um, a terror. And, I and was having, an absolute terror. And having that, that high EQ um, and being in an environment where you maybe didn't feel heard and you didn't feel valued. So it all boils down to trust. And this is what the research is showing, which is so jolly exciting about learning. So we've always thought that learning is just rational. But all the research shows that learning is way, way, way more than that. And how we can't learn if we are not, if we are in what we call in brain science, the amygdala hijack. So I'm going to give you a little neuro lesson, neuro, um, neuroscience lesson here. So when we, when we, the brain is incredible. We, we, we are, we are emotional beings that develop rational thought. So we're born, we need something, we cry, we kick, we scream until our needs are met. And when we go, into this emotional hijack. It's part of our survival. Emotions are data, they're information, they're telling us something. So in the caveman days, when there was a threat of a lion or a bear, we could do one of two things, fight, flight, or free, flee. But we don't have lions chasing us around every corner. But what is happening to our children and what is happening to our teachers is that they are constantly in this emotional hijack. Does this make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, so, I come at it from, from a very similar perspective because uh, uh, part of my background is uh, neurolinguistic psychology. So very much well, there on we the go. same page. There we go. You should be telling me this. So, <laughs> so, so what happens with, with our kids is that um, when we get this information, 
and um, it, 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 uh, the, the amygdala hijacks it before it has a chance to go to the rational thinking part of the brain and all the bells and whistles go off and it says threat, 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 threat. And all the cortisol is rushing through our bodies and we cannot focus, we cannot think, we cannot learn. So the educators need to think about how many little bodies are sitting in front of them that for whatever reason arrive at school already in the emotional hijack because dad swore at the at the taxi driver or he kicked the dog or there was there weren't the milk was finished and mom and dad started having an argument or zoom's not working and mum can't get onto you know COVID has changed everything and our kids are back at school some of them most of them i think in south africa so when johnny walks into the room caesar walks into the classroom they are already not in a good place to learn so our job as educated is, is to calm that emotional hijack if we expect our kids to learn. And it's called six seconds because we have a six seconds window as adults, as educators, to make and the, do the right thing. So it only takes six seconds. You think when something happens, you know, uh, um, somebody jumps a robot and you have to slam your brakes on and you nearly hit, hit the pedestrian. In those six seconds, your heart rate increases, you sweat, you panic, etc. But while you're sitting at the robot, you can, you can calm down. But a teacher is having these emotional hijacks with 30, 40 children in her class all day long. So we talk about the thoughts and the feelings and the actions. At any given situation, we have a thought then we'll have a feeling and then we'll have an ac action. Sometimes we'll have the feeling and then the thought, but there's always the action. And we can develop and recognize our patterns that we're in. So I'm just going to give you two examples of this. So say, for instance, the teacher, school started, everybody's sitting at their desks. She realizes that she hasn't got some printing. She rushes off to the, the, the printing room to get her photostatting. The photostat machine's not working. She's rushing to get it all done, gets back into her class. Her class are all jumping around all over the place. She screams at them, tells them to sit down. It's time for school to start. As she's about to start, the door opens and sees where he walks in and says, man, I'm sorry, I'm late. She shouts at him and says, thinking first, this kid is disrupting my class again. Tells him to go and sit down. That's her thought. Her feeling is, I'm so irritated with this guy, he's done this three times in a row, and her action is, you're gonna stay in a break and have detention. Now their thoughts, feelings, and actions, and the emotional contagion of what that is doing for this young guy. At break time, one of her colleagues says, did you hear about Cesare's mum? She's really not well, and Cesare had to take all the kid, walk all his brothers and sisters to school. So my point here is that as educators, we have to be so mindful of where the children are at. And we are juggling balls all day long. And we can't do that if we don't have the competencies as teachers. And that's our responsibility to develop those competencies so that we can keep ourselves calm. And um, the teacher was irritated because of the, first of all, she wasn't organized. And secondly, the computer, the photostat machine was broken. So when she got back into the classroom, there was mayhem. Seesware was really just 
the straw that broke the camel's back, but how her words and lack of thought and lack of managing herself, what a negative effect it could have on that young man. Yeah. Right, Libby, we, we're running out of time. I mean, this is the kind of thing I think we could talk about for, for hours and hours and days and days. But as we wrap up, um, there's going to be a couple of questions I want to ask you. The first question is somebody that's listening to this now, whether it be a teacher, an educator, somebody in a related industry, a parent, maybe even a learner, what can they do now to start working on their EQ? Well, there's so, many, there's so much information out there. Um, if somebody would like to contact me about, um, you obviously will put up my details. I am on the Zibusa platform. So in my personal as Libby Edmonds and as Equilibrium. And one of the best books that I would suggest to educators to read is the Daniel Goldman Emotional Intelligence, Why It Can Matter More Than IQ. But there are, and also to look at our Six Seconds website, which has uh, got a wealth of information out there and free tools for, for teachers and educators to implement social emotional learning. But first and foremost is for teachers to think about what they can do for themselves in developing these skills. And from there, simple little things that mindful tools that they can take into the classroom, one little thing that every teacher can do, which is what your teacher did. Uh, we talk about the morning greeting or the morning circle. So if you're teaching a young class, to sit that class in a circle and every single morning have a little conversation with them. If you can't have the space in the, in the classroom to greet them by name as they come into the door. And with masks and social distancing, whether you wave, whether you give a little jiggle, but something to look at that little person that is hiding behind that mask, look in their eyes and acknowledge them by name. And then very important for high school kids to be given an opportunity to share what is, is, is going on. Storytelling, exactly what you said. Let everybody tell, choose a topic. Um, you know, what, what, is, what was the, your most embarrassing story? What's your funniest story? Let people laugh in the class, even behind those masks. Let, let them connect with one another. I also am a, um, the Narrative 4 facilitator. I don't know if you know the Narrative 4 storytelling. No, haven't heard of that. Okay, so, so that's for another discussion. But a wonderful okay. tool to implement in high school. They are also joined as I've introduced um, Narrative 4 to, to Sabusa. And a wonderful part of breaking down about down barriers, um, just the art of storytelling and sharing story and valuing, developing empathy within the within the classroom for one another. Wonderful. So my final thing would is is that social emotional learning. Just quickly, to to the research will show that social emotional learning changes everything in terms of uh, school attendance, school conduct, school performance, academics improvement in all areas and it's 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 one it is the, it is the golden ticket to making our schools happier thriving more trustful environments yep i would agree with you 100 and you know what 
children that have had their emotional uh, in intelligence, if, if that has been worked on and developed, it's going to translate into more well-balanced and well-adjusted adults. And this country needs a whole bunch more of those. Libby Edmonds, thank you so much for taking the time out and having a chat to us. Uh, if you want to find out more, you can go to www.eqlibrium.co.za. I will also put a little link at the bottom of the podcast when we uh, when we publish it, but it's www.eqlibrium.co.za. Libby, thanks again. I really do appreciate it, and uh, I hope you get a chance to take this out to the entire country. Thank you, David, for this opportunity. It's really been great. There we go. That was my special guest, Libby Edmonds. EQ Librium is the place to go to each and every one of you. Take care, look after yourselves, and thank you for listening. That was The Education Show. Simply learn. Join the conversation on zibuza.net. That's Z-I-B-U-Z-A dot net.